I was sitting around the table for my sister-in-law's birthday. We were singing happy birthday. Um, the chocolate cake come out. I had a piece of that. And all of a sudden it was as though someone had turned the lights out. I lost my vision, had a cracking headache. The family joked to say it was the mother-in-law's birthday cake. I went home, put myself to bed, still didn't feel right. And then in the morning I woke up still with no vision. I was taken to the William Harvey Hospital in Ashford. And that was when I was discovered I'd had a first stroke. That was a right PCA infarct. And they discovered later on, it took about a year to find out because my cholesterol was fine. I wasn't overweight. They found out that I was born with a hole in the heart, which is the PFO, patent for an oval. Fortunately, one of the nurses that recognised me from working in the hospital acknowledged me and then the consultant decided to look into things further. They offered me a CT scan. That's when it came back that I'd had a stroke. He apologised for not um, taking things further. And that's when they also told me I had an undiagnosed TIA in 2014. Spoon theory. So if you was to have 12 spoons, everyone wakes up that it might take six to get out of bed and have a shower, three to make a drink and have breakfast. It's allocating each spoon for each thing and not overdoing it so that you don't go into what the, the pain clinic calls boom or bust. So you have to try and hold back on some spoons each day. It's quite an interesting theory, but it's very hard if you've been go, go, go before your stroke. Hello, Mark Goodyear here. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we hear from Lisa Pearson from Ashford in Kent. Lisa was 44 when she suffered her stroke. Before I had the stroke in 2017, I was a NHS stoma nurse and I worked at a local hospital in Ashford. I was very active. I did yoga three to four times a week, did lots of walking, loved spending time with family, going to the theatre. So, yes, I was very active. The first stroke I had was in May 2017. I was sitting around the table for my sister-in-law's birthday. We were singing happy birthday. Um, the chocolate cake come out. I had a piece of that. And all of a sudden, it was as though someone had turned the lights out. I lost my vision, had a cracking headache. The family joked to say it was the mother-in-law's birthday cake. I went home, put myself to bed, still didn't feel right. And then in the morning, I woke up still with no vision. I was taken to the William Harvey Hospital in Ashford. And that was when I was discovered I'd had a first stroke. That was a right PCA infarct. And they discovered later on, it took about a year to find out because my cholesterol was fine. I wasn't overweight. They found out that I was born with a hole in the heart, which is the PFO, patent for an oval. The bell was then repaired in 2019 at St Thomas's Hospital. But unfortunately, since then, I've had another stroke, and that was this year in August. But they think that was probably stress, or because I've had a couple of strokes, you're more prone to others. I was in hospital for a week. Initially, I was told that it was a migraine in A&E and they was going to send me home. But fortunately, one of the nurses that recognised me from working in the hospital acknowledged me and then the consultant decided to look into things further. 
They offered me a CT scan. That's when it came back that I'd had a stroke. He apologised for not um, taking things further. And that's when they also told me I had an undiagnosed TIA in 2014. So that was actually my second stroke. I was looked after on the stroke ward. I was probably the youngest person on there. And um, typically me being a nurse, I wanted to go into action and help everyone else. I don't think I really realised the reality of it. I was in denial. Without knowing it, Lisa had had a TIA in 2014. I had an ear infection in 2014 and I lost the um, feeling of my face, had like a Bell's palsy paralysis. And they looked back and saw that my um, CT scan on my ear and they told me that was a stroke when initially I was told it was all clear. It just came and went. It was tingling in my face and I would just feel weak. Um, That was from the TIA in 2014. But then in 2017, I noticed, as I say, the cracking headache and the vision. But now I'm left with left side weakness. Um, I still have tingling in my body. And I have, unfortunately, a side effect of it is incontinence. And I have the neuropathic pain and the chronic fatigue and neuro fatigue. The first 17 weeks I was off sick and then I went back to working in the hospital. But unfortunately, I was still thinking I could be 100 miles an hour like I was before and I couldn't. I kept relapsing, having lots of time off sick. And then I kept going back on phase return. But unfortunately, last year I had to take medical retirement because I just couldn't sustain that job anymore. I was having um, regular appointments with the chronic pain team. I was also to and fro the neurologist, which I still am under with the pain team and the neurologist as well. And I was keep doing phase returns. I was under a physio, which was with work. Lisa suffered a second stroke. I just woke up as normal, was making a drink, and I felt like there was something sandy in my eyes. Um, When I went to look in the mirror, one eye was bloodshot, and then I had the vision loss like I did in 2017. So I phoned my husband, he phoned the ambulance, and they were amazing. They was literally at the door within 10 minutes. And they believed that was probably due to heart problems because I'm now being referred back to St Thomas's who did the original PFO closure and they think it might have been stress-related due to um, things that have happened this year. I'm weak on my right side now, so I suppose I've got left side weakness and right side. I sometimes have to walk with a stick because of balance. Um, I'm a bit more shakier. But generally, you know, I'm quite lucky. I'm still trying to work on my recovery. I do find that it's quite hard interacting with lots of people. I find that sensory and noises and sometimes memory, remembering things can be an issue. But I try to pace myself. I follow what a lot of stroke survivors do, the spoon theory. So I try and pace each day and not overdo things. I try to block out days where I'm resting. But in the last year, I managed to obtain a couple of degrees in Reiki. And I'm trying to do that just as and when 
part-time so that I'm still making a difference and benefiting and helping other people. Spoon theory, so if you was to have 12 spoons, everyone wakes up, that it might take six to get out of bed and have a shower, three to make a drink and have breakfast. It's allocating each spoon for each thing and not overdoing it so that you don't go into what the, the pain clinic calls boom or bust. So you have to try and hold back on some spoons each day. It's quite an interesting theory, but it's very hard if you've been go, go, go before your stroke. A big adjustment because I've always been a social butterfly and wanted to do things. And if I go crazy too much and do a lot of activities, then that could be, put me in bed for a week. So I have to try and find a happy medium. Lisa's stroke continues to impact her everyday life. I have my ups and downs. I, I'm scared because I did think that after the PFO closure in 2019, that was the fix and there would, wouldn't be any more strokes. I take clopidogrel, a blood thinner for life, and a statin, and both of them are supposed to keep the buffer, buffer at bay so that you don't have any more. Um, but yes, I probably am scared. I am kind of trying to accept the new me, but then I do put on a face when I go out and see people because I'm too embarrassed to tell people that I've had a stroke, which I shouldn't be. But I think that might be the nurse, the ex-nurse in me. My friends do know. They're all very supportive. But quite often I do say that I'm OK when I'm not. But mm. a lot of them can tell because if I've overdone it, I could, my lips go white and my face, I look like the mobile phone battery that's drained. It has affected quite a lot because a lot of people don't, I don't think they understand the invisible side effects. So I can't go out as often. I can't sustain being out all day. I couldn't walk around a shopping centre all day because, again, that would floor me then for a few days. I find if I go into a restaurant and there's lots of people there, that's too much for me. Again, that's the sensory overload. Yes, it triggers fatigue. I do get panic attacks. Sometimes the noise, it can be disorientating and confusing. It's as though I'm in a goldfish bowl and I can't really understand what's going on and I'm, I struggle to follow certain conversations as well. And I probably panic going to places and different places and letting the mask down and slipping and people seeing the real me. So yes, it is a bit of a worry. Coming up, Lisa talks about attending stroke support groups. I would probably say there's about 10 to 12 people each time, but the group only started last August, so it's very new. But yes, it is it is a popular group, and I'm hoping there'll be more people coming. But yeah, it's a shame there's not one in Ashford, close to my house, but it's very good to go there and, and to talk to people. I also belong to the Different Strokes Closed Forum. And has her advice for stroke survivors, loved ones and family members. And in terms of family, I think to come along to support groups um, and to educate other people. But I do think in terms of families and of survivors, I think it would be good if they could have more support, you know, more, more help, because they're going in closed eyes, really. 
Here's how Lisa has become involved with stroke charities. There's a different strokes charity support group in Whitstable, which is close to me. And that started last summer. And that's twice a month. And I go to that regularly. And that's, they have chair yoga. They might have people come and do some talking, some crafts. And that has really, really boosted my morale and been really nice to talk to like-minded people that are all under 60. I would probably say there's about 10 to 12 people each time, but the group only started last August, so it's very new. But yes, it is It is a popular group and I'm hoping there'll be more people coming. But yeah, it's a shame there's not one in Ashford close to my house, but it's very good to go there and and to talk to people. I also belong to the Different Strokes Closed Forum, which is a social media page. And you're vetted first, obviously, before you go on there. And that's really useful to speak to other people and I suppose an under, a level of understanding that sometimes people that haven't had a stroke. So, so that is very useful. Stroke Association, different strokes. I think there's a stroke of luck. There's quite a few of them. And obviously I've been following survivor stories as well. So yes, it is very good. I think Instagram is probably more helpful than Facebook, actually. And Lisa has turned her hand to Reiki training. For me, I've been having Reiki for myself. I'm going for sessions for quite a few years, um, probably 15 years before the stroke. And it's something I've always wanted to do. So I thought I'd do my Reiki one degree, my second and my third, go off and do it. And then even if I just practice self-healing on myself and family, but some friends have started asking for it. And it's really nice because why I'm giving the Reiki, I actually feel really uplifting. I would think it'd be the opposite. It would drain me, but it doesn't. It's really nice. So I like to perhaps once or twice a week offer a treatment to friends. And I'm hoping to next year get into the hospice and do it voluntary. I'd like to do more Reiki and perhaps extend that to other places. And I would like to next year perhaps um, learn reflexology and Indian head massage. That's more gentle and that would probably be quite nice. I can fit that in as and when and when I feel able. Finally, here's Lisa's advice to stroke survivors and their loved ones. Keep on being positive and reach out to talk to people. There's lots of advice, lots of literature on the Stroke Association, different strokes. And if you can find a buddy, perhaps a one-to-one to talk to somebody, I think that is valuable. And also raising awareness, educating people that don't know much about strokes, because it's still the idea, a lot of people think it happens to 80 or 90 year olds. I think educating people that there is under 60s and in terms of family I think to come along to support groups um, and to educate other people but I do think in terms of families and of survivors I think it would be good if they could have more support you know more more help because they're going in closed eyes really. Lisa's first stroke was due to a hole in her heart and as a result of her strokes, she had to take medical retirement from work. But that hasn't stopped her pursuing her passions and sharing her story with other stroke survivors. Thank you very much for listening. 
please do rate and comment on the episodes you hear. That'll help us spread the word. And if you are or know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch via X or Instagram, where our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Thank you.